you were with the Mets. They missed out on Mike Messina and Mike Hampton when he signed with the Colorado Rockies in 2000. What specifically do you remember about the rest of that offseason? You know, every free agency is a little different, but, but this is a cautionary tale, I think, for the Yankees. So we missed out on those two guys. And the next best starting pitcher on the market was Kevin Apier. And he was 33 years old. We ended up giving him a four-year deal to get him because we were desperate for a starting pitcher. Uh, and he was pretty good for us in 2001. But we could see a significant drop-off in the velocity, the stuff. He gave us 200 innings that year. But we had a hard time moving him. We ended up doing it. We ended up taking out a bad salary somewhere else. A guy named Mo Vaughn, who never really played for us all that much and didn't play very well. He's on a decline. And that started a string of years where we really had a hard time recovering. So, you know, we ended up chasing that next best guy. And sometimes, and if you could go back to it, it would have been better to show some discipline and maybe just sign up a one-year deal, a guy in a one-year deal or two-year, or, or just sit it out and not go after that next best starting pitcher because it ended up being a mistake. So it's something that the Yankees have to be really careful with, I think, in this situation because I don't think that the guys that are next on the free agent list and the starting pitching side of things are all that compelling to start chasing them for four or five or, or what might end up being six or seven-year deals, which is what it looks like right now. All right, we're back. You heard Jim Duquette reminiscing about the 2000 offseason when the Mets lost out on Mike Hampton and Mike Mussina. Again, like I said earlier in the program, I don't think they ever really got off the mat with Mussina. The Yankees were very aggressive with Mussina from the start of the offseason. And what we talked about with their competition with Yamamoto, that the Mets and Yankees really haven't gone head-to-head. They went head-to-head this time, and it was the team from the left coast that beat both of them. So they both were left at the altar uh, standing. One of the best parts about this being over is I don't have to say Yamamoto again till they play the Dodgers, and maybe not even then because maybe he doesn't pitch against them. So I'm sick of it. Just like I keep telling you, I got to stop saying Correa, but it all connects. It all connects. Everything all connects at this point. So um, you don't want the Mets, and it, it clearly listening to all the reporting that's out there, you don't want the Mets to make the same mistake that they made after their, their pennant-winning 2000 season, losing out on Hampton, pivoting to an aging back into the rotation apier when they needed something much, much more. And, you know, I don't know if Jordan Montgomery is that guy. Uh, I, I certainly, uh, I you know, I'm not the scout. I'm not the expert. I think he's a guy that could potentially be a really solid, like people say, number three, and maybe approach with, as he develops later in his career, some number two status. I mean, you have to look at where you think he can be going forward. Can he take the next step? Or is he Carl Pavano and Javier Vasquez? You know, those guys were good outside of New York and uh, not so good in New York. You know, is is he one of those type of guys? You know, the Yankees have some real history with taking guys like Montgomery, who had some success. You know, he pitched, obviously, for the Yankees, but they traded him. He wasn't always great with the Yankees. He had some good moments with the Yankees, not always great, and, and they traded him. But is is this a Javier Vasquez? Is this a Carl Pavano type of pitcher, a pitcher that... You're going to overpay for and and either not pitch well in New York or, you know, not give you what you want. I don't think he's Kevin Apier. Uh, and I'm surprised the Mets aren't pivoting because he would have he was one of the names I had. I thought that that made sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's that. Uh, what what's next? What's next for the Mets? So here's something that's going to be critically important for all of us. And we'll be doing it here on this show, too. 
And it's not always easy to do because you don't always get the, the information right away. But the Mets are going to have to start to get something out of their young pitchers. We're at a point, Christian Scott, baseball prospectus, just moved him into the top 10 in the Mets prospect ranking. Christian Scott, names like Tyler Stewart, Dominic Hamill, um, you know, names like that, Blade Tidwell. We need to start to see if these guys can contribute into the rotation. And in some cases, maybe not April, but maybe at some point in 2024, the Mets can't afford it. You know why? Because going, they can't afford not to. You know why? Because their rotation as of today, on December 23rd, is Kodai Singa, Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, Adrian Hauser, Tyler McGill. Hauser's Trevor Williams. He's a swing guy. He might be your sick, you know, you know, guy that comes in and out. League average, maybe slightly above. McGill has some potential to maybe be a number three, but he's never shown it wildly inconsistent. You don't have David Peterson for half the year. Quintana is a solid six innings, three run guy. He's not a number two. He's more of a you know number three, number three veteran. Severino has the potential to be a top of the rotation guy, but hasn't been that in a while. So that's a lottery ticket at best. You're pegging him in. For, you know, number three. And Senga, I think, is a guy that could be a solid number two if he continues to develop, but may fall a little bit two and a half. So you really don't have a number one, and you don't have a number two going this season. And I don't think you're going to have a number one, and I don't think you're going to have a number two going into the season. You're going to have to build this rotation with solid six-inning, three-run guys. You're going to have to hope that what they've uh, procured with all these different arm angles and guys who throw elite sliders and or one elite pitch out of the bullpen works. Uh, you know, maybe they have some more uh, signings up their sleeve. I think the Mets are going to go out and look at, from a pitching perspective, you know, guys that are going to give them one-year deals. And I, and I think from a bullpen, maybe they, maybe they go out and get a Robertson. I think they're going to be opportunistic after the new year. I don't think they're done. They only have a couple of roster spots left, but you could always designate guys for assignment. So really what's important in 2024, as important, is, you know, who are these guys in the minors? Because you have Jose Buto and Joey Lucchese as depth, and I think Lucchese has a great shot at making the rotation right now. I think he's got a better shot at coming out of spring as a starter than McGill. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, gave you a good five or six innings last year. He's not a going deep into the game guy, but he always seems to give you, even before he got hurt in 2021, and he's a controllable for a couple of years, he always seems to give you an outing and keeps you in the ball game crafty lefty so we'll see how that all plays out but you know it's going to get more complicated because a year from now at this time next year uh Quintana will be a free agent maybe you don't want to bring him back Severino's only on a one-year deal Hauser's a free agent um you know you you could be rebuilding this rotation all over again next year so even if you find a one or two year deal guy more likely one year deal you could be rebuilding this rotation and it's hard to build rotations every year. And without starting pitching, even short-term competition for a, in a three-wild-card sport, in a tournament sport, it's going to be tough. And I think that's where this Yamamoto thing hurts more than anything else is he would have, in theory, you didn't know really what he, what, what he is. We don't know. But in theory, if he was even close to what he was in Japan and let's say, gave you what Darvish gives you or Tanaka gave the Yankees, you could live with that at the top of the rotation. Him and Senga, that's good. Then Quintana slots down. Less pressure on Severino. 
You could, you know, you, you like Hauser and Lucchese as five and six. You know, Buto, you know, as six, you know, five, six, seven. You know, so you have seven, if they're healthy, seven starters. You don't have a lot of guys that you feel confident outside of maybe Senga that could give you top of the rotation performance consistently. And we're not sure about Senga yet. He hasn't done it for a full year. We'll see. So where do you where do the where should the Mets go? I think one of the top free agents that fall into this one year deal is uh, Ryu from Toronto, formerly the Dodgers. That would be like my top because as I look at who's left, and I, I'm sorting this here. You know, Marcus Stroman would be a great fit. They're not going to go that route. He burnt bridges here, and uh, the Mets aren't going to go that route. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is the, you know forget about it. You know, even if he was healthy, that's the Dodgers, all the Dodgers. Now, you have some of the domestic violence guys, the Ureas and the Domingo Hermans. I don't see a team that's uh, owned by Steve Cohen and Alex Cohen going that route unless something drastically comes out different that shows that it wasn't what was reported. I just don't see that that happen, and that includes with Bauer. I think Trevor Bauer would be a great guy to reclamate, and you could steal yourself a top-of-the-rotation guy, but I, I just don't see that happening. It's just too controversial, and I don't think Stearns wants to touch that right now with all that's going on how difficult it is, how he's faced with. I mean, think about it. Um, if he had gone to the Yankees, Yamamoto, this offseason would become that much harder for Stearns and the Mets. In a way, Yamamoto going to the Dodgers is bad because he's in the same league. He would have been better from a logic standpoint, of a baseball standpoint, go to the Yankees. But being it's the Yankees and it's in the same town, no, it wouldn't have been. So Ryu, to me, is that guy, you know, he's he give you 150, 160 innings. He seems to be at, starting to be recovered from Tommy John, you know, win you 10, 12 ball games. I mean, this is a guy that was competing with DeGrom not too long ago for the Cy Young Award. Now, he's not that pitcher anymore, and that was a bit of a time ago, but it's still inside of him. I am not as interested in shoulder injury guys like Woodruff, uh, you know, guys like that. I know Montas is, has a, a shoulder uh, injuries coming off of Guys like Kluber always in, injured. Blake Snell, that's a guy. You know, he had a great year, competed for the Cy Young. It's the first time since 2018 he's pitched that many innings. This is a guy that you will sign and you will immediately regret it. He doesn't go deep into games. He's inconsistent, walks too many guys. That's not the guy that that I go after. And truthfully, I've heard he's more of a West Coast guy. Sounds like the Giants are really interested in him. That's probably a better spot for him. And, you know, if the Mets get involved, that could be just a, a bidding war, you know, to jack it up. Because I'm even going to throw Montgomery out of this because it sounds like the Mets aren't interested. And then you look at guys like, you know, Zach Grinke, that's a veteran, you know, probably over the hill, the Rich Hills of the world, Odorizzi, eh, you know, maybe you take a, a, a flyer on Eric Lauer on a minor league deal. You know, he was with uh, with with uh, Stearns in um, Milwaukee. Uh, you know, I... I Julio Teheran, yeah, that's a, a scrap heap. Carrasco, been there, done that. Uh, really, the guys, because I think Giolito's a guy that could turn out to be like Apier and overpay. You look to see what, what Giolito's market, because he'll give you innings, transpires that. Maybe you could do a two-year deal for $40 million to get some innings so you could be competitive. I could live with that. You know, maybe $36 million for two years, depending on how that that market develops. Giolito, there was a Fangraphs article that was interesting. He seems to be very in tune with his repertoire. Maybe the lab and the Mets kind of tweaking some things in the lab could get him to the next level. Uh, so, you know, Ryu, I'd look at Giolito's market only to see if you could get him on a short-term deal at a higher AAV. Uh, Sean Manaya pitched well in the second half of the Giants, but a lot out of the bullpen. 
So I'm wondering, the Mets really need a starter. And he, you know, is his future in the bullpen? You know, lefty out of the bullpen? That'll be interesting. Look at the numbers. A lot of uh, success out of the bullpen in the second half uh, when majority of it was coming out. He only made, like, I think, four starts in the second half. And then, uh, you know, Paxton, James Paxton, a guy, so much upside, but always hurt. Uh, so, you know, where do you go? I think Ryu, to me, might be one of the better plays. I check in on Paxton. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, eh. I mean, guys, this is hard. I mean, as I'm going through this with you, you know, at the beginning of the offseason, I laid out a starting pitching plan that I thought was realistic. Yamamoto, I knew it was hard, but I thought the Mets could be in there in the end. Montgomery, I thought the Mets could absolutely grab a guy like that. Might have to pay, you know, a five-year deal, you know, $25 million a year. You know, 125 you know, now it looks like he wants like seven, 160 He wants to get a little bit further of that, you know, maybe a little bit more years. Uh, you know, I, I would still check in on him, Montgomery, and then go after like a Seth Lugo who I thought, and, and turned out other teams thought the same way about Seth Lugo that I did. And now that the Yamamoto chase is gone and, and it doesn't look like they want to be in on Montgomery, and I don't think Snell was ever an option, you're starting to look up and down. You know, the Severino signing is bigger than you think. And the process they use for the Severino signing is probably the process they're going to use for the rest of these guys. Can I get them on one year? How healthy are they? And can we turn... Whatever the maximum potential of these guys are, maybe it's not at the best case scenario of what their careers have been. Can we maximize that? Can we make that happen? And is that Ryu? Is that Paxton? I mean, do they go the Manaya route? Uh, Sean Manaya route? Uh, I, again, none of the shoulder injury guys I would be, be involved in. But then you get into next year where you're losing more of your rotation. You look at where you're at now, and then you go to next year. And I'm doing this because I'm showing you how important those kids are in Binghamton and Syracuse. Uh, next year, and I said this on the last program, Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler, Patrick Corbin, Charlie Morton, Jack Flaherty, Kyle Hendricks. Uh, you're back in the same spot. You know, might be Zach Wheeler or bust. I mean, look, things could change. You know, Corbin Burns is a free agent, Max Freed. Uh, you know, look, I was against Shane Bieber because he has all the markings. I know Walker Bueller's a free agent next year, too. Who knows what his health is going to be like. You know, there are guys next year that you could bring in to be at the top of the rotation. But none of those are actual reality now, and you don't know what they're going to look like. I mean, I, like I said before, I was, I, was a, I was for Shane Bieber. No, I was against Shane Bieber when I did my Beyond the Mic as I was looking at some trade uh, options. If it costs a lot of prospect capital. But if it's a salary dump... I'd take Bieber and see what he's got. I mean, all his metrics indicate he's, he's ready to break down. But, and, and the Mets will, will, will do their due diligence on that. I don't see Stearns just taking him on because he wants to do a marketing move. And that's the most important thing. Right now, there's a lot of you that want marketing moves. You want Snell. You want Montgomery. You want Imanaga. You know, Imanaga is the wild card on this. Uh, why they're not as interested or are they pivoting to him? I don't know. See, you all you could do on this show is assess and discuss reality, not desires. My desire would be pivot to Imanaga, pivot to Montgomery, try to bring in somebody who potentially uh, has some potential and upside. I think Montgomery has number two upside. They may not agree with that. That's why I would have pursued Montgomery. 
Imanaga, we don't know anything about other than he's a crafty lefty. I like those guys, but maybe Stearns doesn't like what he sees. And then you go to the next level and you look at next year and you're going to have, I mean, if you're going to have to fill in this rotation with two or three guys every year, Severino type of guys coming off of injuries or underperformance, you are in a lot of trouble. Notice I haven't even talked about complementing the offense with players like Justin Turner, who we've talked about. I'm not even getting there today because that ain't going to matter if this rotation stays status quo. Unless they know something about the kids that we don't, unless they think Buto and Lucchese and Hauser could be better and McGill better than we think, that is not a rotation I think that can make the postseason. Not. There's so many ifs on the roster. As of now, no, it's not a postseason team. I think if you got low 80s out of that team, that's probably what you're looking at. You know, I think if you looked at, uh, if you got 82, 83, 84 wins out of a team, it's probably a 77 win to 85 win range for that team like that. And, and, and a lot has to go right out of the bullpen and the rotation for that to happen, which typically that's not how you take the over on those kind of teams. And if you have to do this every year, it's a problem. And it goes to show you how blessed this organization was for a long time with Harvey and Wheeler and Mats and DeGrom. And Syndergaard. How blessed they were. And how they had to, all they had to do in those kind of years, you know, bring in a Bartolo Cologne to be that veteran. Somebody along that way. They tried again to do that with Jason Vargas. It didn't work out. And they didn't have to go out every offseason and worry about starting pitching. It was there. And it was really good. And in some cases, all of them at one point, when you had Stroman in there, out of the top, you know, 15 starters in baseball, you had three or four. Out of the top 20, you know, when Mats was on, you could argue when Mats was on, you had five of the top, you know, 30 pitchers in baseball. You know how rare that is? That they didn't leverage it. And that's part of why you're at what you're at when you talk about Yamamoto, is that anytime the Mets have had a chance to leverage success after the 69 World Series, during the 80s, after the World Series appearance in 2000, race and right years, 2015, they have not done it. I know Cohen would have, but Cohen hasn't had that opportunity yet. So the real getting to know this team, assuming that this market and where they go going forward is what we're hearing, which is like a Ryu, which is a Paxton, which maybe is a Manaya or a Montes or a guy like that to give them somebody who potentially has some good analytics behind where they're at and with a little tweaking and TLC in a plan, you can maximize who best case scenario of them is. If that's where this is going, it's it's going to be tough to do that every year. You need the Scots. You need the Stewarts. You need the Hamels. You need the Tidwells to give you something. Can you get out of them a couple of three fours? Because it'll make a big difference. Do you know you got guys who are young and controllable that could give you competent number three, number four status? Then you're golden. You know, you don't even have, you know, I, I talked about going after because Steven Matz is on the market. I'd seriously consider bringing Steven Matz back if it's a reasonable cost. I think he'd look really good in this rotation. I think he's a solid pitcher. I know you guys don't like him. I think he's a solid pitcher. I mean, he's had his issues, but, you know, he's, he's one of these guys that's going to have a long career. And maybe he's not always sexy, the numbers, but 
He's a guy that's a backing guy. He's developed. He should have been more, I always felt. But for whatever reason, he's developed into a backing guy, six innings, three runs, who at times can give you top of the rotation performance. I don't know if he can give you top of the rotation performance anymore, but I certainly think he can give you six innings, three runs. Give me right now, guys that guarantee me a bunch of six innings, three runs with Senga and a bullpen that is managed correctly. And maybe you add some certainty with a veteran, a Chapman, a Robertson, you know, see if you could get opportunistic there. With this offense, with some component guys brought in, maybe a DH type like a, a, a JD Martinez or a Justin Turner, and, and I think they could compete for a, a, one of the wild card spots. I'm not saying they, they they're guaranteed, but I think they compete as constituted now. No, and and here's the good news: Christmas Day is not opening day for baseball. It's the NBA's day, so you don't have to have the team f- finished in the next 48 hours. But it is. Part of our getting to know you phase with the New York Mets in 2024 here on this program is going to be looking down at Syracuse and Binghamton and, and do they have something there? Spring training, we're going to be looking at these kids. Vazel, Mike Vazel's another name. Because if they all flame out or they're all another Chris Flexen, the Mets are in a lot of trouble. And I don't want to hear about Oh, they're scheduled to be contenders in 2025. Uh, that's garbage. That was the old when Aunt Lewis says, "Well, we're, our schedule is 2014, 2015. They weren't supposed to be in the World Series in 2015. That wasn't their schedule. There's no schedule. Okay, you you every day, every off season, throughout this season, you go and you move forward and you try to build a better ball club and you see where it takes you. That's it. There's no schedule, but I will tell you the schedule will be far into the future." If this team can't develop any pitching far into the future and where they're at now is part of the five player development heads in five years and all that stuff. And and maybe it's some bad luck. You know, Matt Allen at this point you thought would be an option for the rotation. He's been nothing but hurt since he was drafted. So there's a lot of luck in some of this stuff. And yeah, maybe I'm being hard on next year's free agent class. You know, I don't know who Walker Bueller is. You want to reunite with Zach Wheeler you know, Shane Bieber, you know, you know, on and on and on, you know, Max Fried, you know, names like that. I mean, you, look, the Mets can get in. And look, if the Mets target one of those guys and they really want them bad enough, if they feel that teaming them up with Senga is the key, I have confidence they can make that happen. But you can't do this every year. And it's also the depth. Because while you sign and say, okay, let's go out and get bring Wheeler back to be the top of the rotation with Senga, you're losing Quintana. You're losing Severino. Oh, shoot. Now we got to fix those two holes. And if it's not a Hamill or a Tidwell or a Scott or a Vazel, like, it gets hard. Look at the cost of Michael Walker for crying out loud and how, what Seth Lugo got on the market. You know, and then you sign a Corbin Burns at 30, you know, you don't know what his health is going to be. It goes down and you got two years of dead money. Now you're back to the drawing board trying to find who you, you were trying to solve. You're trying to find that guy again. Very frustrating. We knew they would get here because they weren't yet ready with the the pipeline, but you thought you had a little bit more time with the last juice of Verlander and Scherzer, and you just didn't get it. And not signing Degrom, and I don't know if you know. Obviously, they wouldn't have signed Verlander if they didn't sign if they signed Degrom. But you thought Degrom resigning him gave you a little bit more time than even Scherzer because he was a little younger. And look, that would have been a Tommy John situation, so they would be. But then who knows? You know, he comes back middle of this year, and then the Rangers get really three good years out of him, which the Mets can't. So, you know, that it all 
it all kind of connects and then you could go all the way back to, you know, a really bad job while they had Wheeler and Harvey and Mats and Syndergaard and DeGrom all that time. They never developed the next pipeline. And truthfully, Alderson didn't develop those guys. Harvey was there. DeGrom was there. Mats was there. He acquired Syndergaard. He acquired Wheeler. Now, you, you got to give him credit for Wheeler in, in the development of Syndergaard. You know, Wheeler turned out, you know, next to DeGrom to be the best as people predicted when he was acquired from the Giants of the, of the group. And I had a lot of criticisms of Wheeler, especially early in his career. He was a frustrating guy his first couple of years in the league. Laborious. Everything was a 3-2 count. And then you're always worried about him getting injured. And then, you know, not going to get into that today. You know why I was okay with them letting him walk after 19. But I'm not going to get into that today. I was wrong. I'm the first to admit it. So. so that's where you're at. You know, plan B in starting pitching, it's going to be tough. And it's not just this season. It's next off season because I don't think you can assign anybody that's going to bridge you two off seasons. And you got shoulder injury guys, and you got guys who haven't been good in a while that seem to be trying to figure out how to get back to where they're going to get. You have guys who are trying to rebuild after long battles with Tommy John, like Ryu. To me, Ryu would be the top choice. So if you want me to summarize this, Ryu to me would be my top choice to sign next, and I'd sign one other guy. Is it Paxton? Is it Manaya? You know, somebody like that. And then you go to battle, maybe beef up the bullpen. You try to bring in a couple bats. You go to battle, you see if you can get into that wild card, 85, 86 wins. And you spend the season getting to know your prospects, either in the minors or hopefully at some point in the big leagues. And then, uh, you know, after whenever the 2024 season ends, officially or unofficially, you plot your next move to get to the next level. That's where you're at. But it ain't going to happen without some help internally. So it is a big year for those young pitchers and the Mets player development system. Big, big, big year. Because if those guys stink, this franchise is set back. 2025 ain't a realistic time frame if those kids are set back. You need a couple of them. I'm not saying all of them. You need a couple of them to be competent members of this rotation. You cannot buy three, four, five starters every year. It's too expensive and it's too volatile. And even when you buy them, you say, oh, they got the money. You're not always getting what you think. You know it, and I know it. So so anyway, that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Talking Mets podcast. We are definitely not going to be back for Christmas. Uh, as far as New Year, you know, what's the plan? I don't know yet. Um, I am definitely, just to give you guys a heads up, definitely going to be doing something fun over at Beyond the Mic. So if you haven't subscribed yet, substack.com slash at Talking Mets No G. And check it out. There's free subscriptions, which you get a little bit, but you get a lot if you do the $5 per month subscription and then obviously a discount if you sign up for the full year. We're going to be doing some fun stuff. I'm having a fun announcement after Christmas. So I'll let you guys know, uh, you know, something we'll do next week for the holidays over Beyond the Mic. A fun thing, you know, trying to get away from the constant pounding of free agents. I think I'm going to dive deeper into this whole plan B of pitching on Beyond the Mic because I think sometimes when you have these conversations on the radio, it's a little bit different than when you start to look at it on paper and in a column and say, okay, here's the options and here's why we want it, the Mets to go here and here's how they can build a competitive rotation. We're not talking about elite now. We're talking about a competitive rotation. So we'll do a little bit there and then obviously take a little bit of a recharge for the holidays and it's going to be a busy January. It's not going to be a sleepy January. In the past, 
January's have been sleepy because, you know, the, the heavy lifting of free agency has been done. You're counting down the days to pitchers and catchers. It's oh so cold. I know that we we finally hit the winter solstice, so now it's only going to get lighter and lighter. It's not this depressing dark. It seems like you're in the dark 24-7. And the first time you start to see it get a little bit light after 5.30 is when you know the spring is around the corner and, you know, baseball's here. And I know that's what we're all been kind of waiting for and what have you. So, um, you know, we're going to take a step back, recharge. January's going to be busy. There's the Hall of Fame. There's going to be a lot more work for Stearns and the Mets to do. And we're finally free of Yamamoto. The winter of Otani and Yamamoto is not over because we're still in the winter, but we're past that point of the offseason. It literally destroyed the winter meetings. It has locked down free agency for eight weeks nearly. It's put many big established stars on hold. I wonder how that's going to play with, you know, this kid's going to have a bullseye on his back. The Dodgers are going to have an ultimate bullseye on their back. Ultimate bullseye. Remember something. The Dodgers haven't won a significant World Series since they beat the Mets in 1988. 2020 doesn't count. They know it. That's why they're doing what they're doing. They have the chance to leverage in prime stars like Freeman and Betts and obviously Otani and things like that. They know it because they know nobody takes that championship seriously. And I meant it. And I got some criticism. I saw an email about how I said the Red Sox in the last you know 20 years have a better history than the Yankees and the Dodgers. They do. They got three World Series. The Giants have three World Series. The Yankees have one. The Dodgers have a BS one. So you want to say, you know, the Mets don't have any recent success? Really, I mean, winning divisions, making the playoffs, yeah, that counts. But you know what? It wouldn't be good enough if it was the match. You'd be saying what a failure they are. They can't make it. Can't get the big. Can't get the big hit. They can't make it big. You want to say that they got robbed in twenty seventeen because of uh, the Astros? I'm not going to get into that conversation. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in for another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet on X at Mike Silva Media. And you can show up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Salat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Salat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Check out the newsletter, Beyond the Mic, Substack.com, slash at TalkingMets, no G. And I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for supporting our show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We'll be back with another podcast soon. Sit tight. Get over to the newsletter. I'll be over there. Substack.com slash at talkamentsnog. Till then, take care, everybody.